Good evening, everyone. It's time for another episode of Necromaniacs. How's it going, Jeff? You doing okay? I'm doing okay, Mike. Uh, if you could see the state of the room I'm in, you might not think I'm doing okay, <laughs> but I am doing okay. Um, as you know, I'm in the middle of moving and uh, <clears throat> kind of tore apart like uh, this room to get it organized. And it basically looks like I'm squatting in here right now. I love that uh, step of uh, organization where it becomes chaos and then it becomes organization. <laughs> Dude, it's complete chaos. And not only that, like I'm wearing a Beach Boys shirt from Target for like the last four days. <laughs> Did you pick that up? <clears throat> Did you pick that up on tour or something like that? <clears throat> no, I just picked it up. I think I was like in Target one day. And you know how like you find yourself in Target and you just end up buying bullshit like you, you didn't intend to buy? You're like, oh yeah, a Beach Boys t-shirt. I need that. <laughs> and, and then you find yourself in the middle of a move and you've been wearing it for, you know, a few days when it used to kind of fit you kind of snug and now it's like loose and gross, <laughs> you know? Yeah. We would always hit Target on, on tour because of, um, you know, they have like a, like the grocery part, you know, and you could buy like, you can get like a car battery, like a, pan, a pound of American cheese and like a, a sweatshirt, <laughs> you know, in this in one stop. So we would always, you know, hit Target and pick, you know, random stuff up like that. Yeah, I was going to pick up Liquid uh, Liquid IV. Uh, they don't sponsor us, but they sponsor every podcast I listen to. And uh, it, it, it's been a godsend for me drinking that stuff, like at the gym or just like in the morning t- to get me going. So I'm not a coffee guy. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, you're there picking up Liquid IV, you pass by the men's section. And you're like, yeah, sure. You know, I need a fucking graphic tea. Why not? You know, I don't feel like doing laundry. Maybe I'll pick up a T-shirt. So, um, <laughs> that's my life right now, Mike. <laughs> Moving uh, and 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 looking like a bum. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on for you, man. There is, man. Yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff. This might be the last time uh, we, we we talk while I'm living in uh, L.A. I think maybe the next time we talk, I'll be an Austin resident. That's fucking exciting, man. It is. It is very exciting. Uh, it's terrifying. It's a. Uh, it's a lot of things, but um, you know, change is a good thing. Uh, I'm, I, I have been slowly trying to like realize that over my life that things staying the same for too long can get a little, I don't know, stagnant, and 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 you got to embrace change. So, I'm excited. It's going to be different, but uh, you know, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Austin's always been a great city. I always, uh, always had a great time there on tour. I, I, I remember we played there with you guys with, with tombs on, uh, one of the last ISIS tours. Yeah. The, at, uh, at emos At emos, which, uh, I, I guess, I don't think that emos exists anymore. I think they, they moved to the outskirts of town and now Mohawk is like the big venue that everyone plays. Yeah, I just that's... remember we were playing outside and Earth Crisis was playing inside. <laughs> it, was, it was surreal. Yeah, I remember that too, actually. <clears throat> Excuse yeah, me, man. Oh. I don't know what's up with my voice yeah. today. I yeah, went to see, right? uh, I saw Immolation last night. So I was like, you know, yelling. Like, yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> Where was that at? At uh, Irving Plaza in New York City. Oh, I love that venue. <clears throat> yeah, we played there too with you guys. Yeah, yeah, that's a great sounding stage and a great sounding room in general. Just even if you're just there as a spectator, it just it sounds phenomenal. One of the things I appreciate about Irving is like when they say you go on at eight thirty, you go on at fucking eight thirty. 
Yeah, man. Yeah. Like they don't fuck around, man. Like it, it's not like I, I find that to be the case in a lot of like U.S. cities where when, when you tour Europe, say you go to Italy or something like that, you know, like 830 really means like 930, 10. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, they're <clears throat> oh, damn, man. Oof. Damn. The, um, the, Italians, last night. the Italians are not known for being punctual. So. You're right. Right. Yeah. Germany, not to talk yes. shit about the Italians. Yes, the Germans for sure. I always did enjoy Italy, though. I always, aside from the DB limits, I always did enjoy touring in Italy. In Italy. This Except might sound, for, uh, yeah. this might sound, uh, you know, cliched, but the food is incredible <laughs> there. You know what I mean? And um, we toured uh, Europe one time with this Italian band called The Secret, <clears throat> and we were traveling from Germany into Italy. And everyone was like really hungry while we were still in Germany. And they're like, no, 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 no. We're going to wait until we get into Italy. <laughs> so we crossed the border. <clears throat> and then we stopped at one of those uh, auto, auto mart places. Auto like, grill. Auto grill. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> now in Germany, you have like, uh, you know, some kind of ham sandwich, you know, available to you, um, which is pretty, you know, that's okay. So, mom. Um, yeah. But in Italy, sure. dude, it was like. They had this whole setup where they had this al dente pasta and then mm. boiling water and they would just flash it in the boiling water and then serve you fresh pasta, like fresh fruit, fresh bread, you know, like fucking ham and all this stuff. It like sliced it for you and everything. And it was just like, I'm glad we waited. Nothing against Germany, but the Italians really have it figured out, you know, in the Mediterranean. You know? Oh, totally, man. I couldn't agree more. And I also I couldn't help but thinking, like, if you ate, like, a roadside sandwich in, like, the middle of America, you'd probably get sick and die. <laughs> you, you, know, you, you know what I mean? You would have diabetes by the end of the tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, like, you go to Italy, and it's, like, legit, like, the bread tastes fresh, and it's nice and warm. And, yeah, we used to look forward to Auto Grill, like, uh, every European tour, like, I think we started every tour in like London and we're like, man, can't wait for Italy in like a month. <laughs> London. <laughs> Hit up auto grill. <laughs> you, you, if you need to eat just basically Indian food in, in, if you're in all of the UK, you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Or like, you know, like you have to have like the one fish and chips, you know, like just have it like once on a tour, maybe twice if you're hard up or like, you know, back in those days I was in my twenties and drinking all the time. And like, you know, like, oh, I want, I want some fish and chips, <laughs> you know. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I agree. The Indian food over there is uh, amazing. I remember Justin from, uh, you know, Yezu would take this place in Birmingham. that was open really late. It's some of the best Indian food I've ever had in my life. Yeah, that's, um, <clears throat> I mean, London is a little bit better because they do have other, other types of food there. But, like, in general, in the U.K., you got to stick with, like, an Indian or Paki food and then, when in Ireland, Ireland actually has decent food. Like you can, um, like the Irish breakfast, you know, is really good. That kind of thing. Yeah, like the the beans and like blood pudding or sauce or whatever the fuck. Yeah, <laughs> like, nah, but it's it's actually good though. You know. You know what was my go to in the UK it was Nando's. I don't know if you've ever been there. I never. I know what you're talking about, but I've never eaten there before. Oh man, dude, I would eat there as much as I could. Like I love it's a Portuguese sort of like fast casual kind of kind of place uh so fucking good man i i really missed that i wish i i guess they have like one in america there's like one in chicago or dc i can't quite remember but uh yeah that, that that's one chain i wish would, would would make it over here 
Yeah, totally, man. Right um, on. <clears throat> before we get going, I want to just give all of our uh, our plugs to um, our fellow podcasts out there. Uh, you know, we have uh, Into the Necrosphere, which is like uh, for all your extreme music interviews and commentary. And um, Jackie uh, Smith actually made a um, statement on the show about how he feels like there's, you know, there's kind of like a, a little thing going on between, you know, us, his show, you know, everything went black. And it's like, it's cool. It's like a cool thing. Like, I think a lot of the same people listen to all of these uh, different podcasts out there. So cheers to Jackie. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah, dude. And, uh, of course, uh, Brandon Legion's Horror Wolf podcast and Break the Apocalypse featuring Mike Scandato's brother, John Draper. Good stuff, man. Yeah. So that's awesome. Um, for good comedy. Comedy and social commentary. Every Friday they have a new episode. So check it out. Absolutely. Actually, Speaking of yeah, checking it out. Real quick, at, uh, they have a little bit of a personnel shakeup over at Break the Apocalypse. So, you know, they got they got some new things going on there. So definitely hit them up. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, speaking of uh, checking out, you've been checking out anything since we last talked? It hasn't been that long since we last talked. Yeah, I think yeah. It's been well, a week or two. Yeah, well, thanks for asking. I appreciate that. Um, huh. <laughs> yeah. kind of guy I am, Mike. Yeah. Actually, I've watched three really cool things that... Um, oh, yeah, in the last week or so um last night after i came home from immolation um a friend of mine dean rispler recommended i check out this movie called fresh which is on uh, hulu right now i watched that as well yeah um well i'm gonna say a couple words about it i thought it was pretty sure. pretty great um you know direct, oh, interesting directed by mimi cave who i don't never heard of but Stars Sebastian Stan, who plays uh, the Winter Soldier, and um, yes. was also played Tommy Lee in the Pam and Tommy uh, miniseries. Oh, have you watched that? My <laughs> girlfriend uh, just finished it. She, she really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was interesting. I like. You know, I um, I don't give a fuck about Motley Crue really, but like it, it was a funny story, and Sebastian Stan really did a pretty pretty amazing Tommy Lee like but not not the uh successful 80s version of him like the scumbag well I'm sure he was always a scumbag but like the, the <laughs> methods fa- of mayhem yeah, yeah the <laughs> failing new metal 90s trying to find the next thing to cl- the latch on to you know like uh Tommy Lee you know the, the rap yeah. metal version of, of him himself you know and, uh, that, that record would be embarrassing to anyone that was self-aware enough to be embarrassed yeah. You, you know what I mean? You know, and uh, also Daisy Edgar Jones is in this film, and uh, mm. she's she was in uh, War of the Worlds. Oh, okay. Yeah, British actress, very very good actress, um, playing an American role, and um, I, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was a good movie. Um, I enjoyed watching it. I knew nothing about it going into it, other than uh, my friend TJ. Shout out to TJ and Nobody's Hero Tattoo in uh, Boise, Idaho. He told me to watch it. Um, and that's all I knew. I was like, okay, I'll check it out. And so I, I, I think going into a cold was the best way to go into it because yeah. everything, you know, a little bit more surprising that way. I enjoyed watching it, but I think overall I, I, I had a lot of problems with the movie. And the, way too long to get into here, but uh, it was okay. I would say it's worth seeing. That's that's about the best thing I can say about it. Like if if you and I were talking about it, 
I'd give it a three. Yeah, well, maybe we should do it because um, I I kind of feel what you're saying. Like, I, I enjoyed watching it. I recommend people check it out. But it also is very much a 2022 type of film. You know what I mean? Definitely. Oh, yeah. We should talk about it. That'd, that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'd like to watch it again. Maybe I would get a different perspective on it. I usually do. When, when we cover these movies, I usually watch them twice. And second time around, I usually end up seeing something I didn't quite catch the first time around. I feel like a lot of times films these days, it's like they, they write out their treatment of the plot and then they decide which characters are going to be the, uh, the which po- characters are going to use to pander to the uh, environment that the, you know, the kind of, you know, um, yes. political yeah. environment, you know, and like, let's, let's check off some boxes for some people. And, and it's, you know, character a is this guy character b is like you know the lesbian or whatever and like character c is like which guy can we make you know black or whatever you know it's like which is like you know that's cool but i would rather that and i'm not saying that any of these characters should have been anything other than what they were but like i don't know i just like natural storytelling more i don't feel like i don't like when things are forced you know what i'm trying to say no, absolutely. Uh, we touched upon this last time we talked about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where everything, all the commentary felt completely forced and out of place and really didn't really like, didn't really make you think about any of the things they were talking about. Like, you know, like the, the, the rebel flag, school shootings, things like that. It added up to absolutely nothing. It was just like, hey, let's let's throw a bunch of like, you know, current buzzwords in, into this movie and and people will uh, people who hate these people will enjoy watching them get killed, <laughs> and then, you know, and you know what I'm saying, or like, you know, and this will come up later in the movie we're about to talk about, uh, you know, where social commentary is just in, integrated into into the movie and it's completely seamless. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and fresh just kind of felt again like I was reading like a Twitter feed or someone's Instagram page or something, and. Um, I, I don't want to shit on it too much, and we, yeah, we'll, we'll talk. I, I think it was worth seeing, and and a, and a decent movie. Definitely a lot of nods to American Psycho. Um, interesting watch. Little too long, but definitely a little too long. <clears throat> definitely uh, American Psycho esque, and interesting story. And I mean, <clears throat> definitely a valid exploration of toxic mas- toxic masculinity. And that should, really should have been the only subject, really. They should have just focused on that as opposed to, like, making it this other kind of thing, which, you know. I Yeah, I, I totally agree. I thought that was some of the more interesting aspects of, of the film. And, like, you know, I started dating again in my early 40s after getting divorced and, you know, talking to the different women. Like, this is, like, the, the things like that the lead character goes through are, are very real. And it, it is not just eye-rolling like oh complaining like it's a real thing you know uh yeah like so i thought that was interesting i, I wish it kind of went further in, in, in that direction yeah. but it definitely veered off into something else yeah, no, totally <laughs> yeah so what else? you said three movies that's one of them yes the other one was nightmare alley which i finally ah. caught up with um you know it's <clears throat> everyone was like really speaking highly of this film and um I finally, I checked it out kind of by accident the other night. I was uh, watching something <clears throat> on Hulu, and I, I fell asleep for like five minutes. And then, like, I woke up, and this was on. 
And I was like, mm. oh, let me just restart this from the beginning. So, um, yeah, and I, I thought it was actually really good. It was... Uh, oh, you liked it? I did. And I thought the cast was great. You know, it's got Bradley Cooper. Um, yeah. You know, Willem Dafoe Willem was Dafoe. awesome in it. You know, uh, Kate Blanchett, uh, you know, Ron Perlman, really heavy hitters. And uh, it really... I thought it was a little bit long. Um, yeah. But it's basically an EC Comics story. Like, I don't know anything about the novel or the original film. I'm speaking strictly from this remake. Oh, same, same. And um, chilling. The ending was chilling, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. The ending it felt like a punchline to me, almost. <laughs> like, it, 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 that movie just didn't quite land with me. I, I, Guillermo del Toro is always an interesting watch. I think he's 50-50 for me. I like about half of his movies. But I'll always check out anything he does. This one, yeah, just too long, meandered a, a lot. I need to watch it again. That's another yeah. one we should maybe like think about covering. Yeah, I mean, I'd be no. all for it, you know. And and for me, the whole because it took place, you know, it's a period piece. Um, it reminded me of like an EC Comics storyline, you know, where there's like a really bad guy, like he's doing all this horrible stuff. You know, his character is bad, and then he gets like this like sort of comeuppance at the end and the comeuppance at the end is like foreshadowed in, in earlier in the film. Yes. You know, I, yes. I just thought it yeah. was like, you know, very just the ending I thought was kind of brutal. So yeah, I, I, I dug it, you know, I thought it was, <laughs> it was a downer for very, sure. Very yeah, much it, a downer. Yeah. It felt like a two and a half hour version of tales from the crypt or something yeah, like that. Exactly. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't hate it. I just, it, it didn't connect with me the way I, I thought it would, but I do need to, to give it another watch. Um, what was the third movie? The third movie was a, a Spanish film called Ooh. Thesis or Thesis in English. And um, I heard about this. I was listening to uh, All the Colors of the Dark podcast and they mentioned it. And um, it was written and directed by Alejandro Am Am Amanabar. And, um, it's um, it's a I, the only place I found it was on Apple. Like you can rent it. Is this an older movie? Yeah, it I came out like in the some... '90s. I think it was like '96, maybe. Yeah, because it sounds familiar to me. Yeah, and it's um, it's one of these movies uh, that mines like a similar vibe. I feel like in the '90s, like snuff movies were like this thing that people were. It was in the consciousness more of like horror films. Um, sure. You know, like uh, you know, eight millimeter. Or nine millimeter, mm. whatever, eight millimeter, eight, eight yeah. yeah, the Joel Schumacher movie. Yeah, they, they, it's kind of about like a disappearing, like a woman who disappeared, and like filmmakers and finding like a videotape of a of a murder, basically a snuff, you know, snuff film, and uh, has to do with like an, a young lady, a film student who's writing a thesis about violence and movies and co and popular culture, and she finds herself drawn into this web of snuff films being produced by people mm. within her film school. Really, oh, really, wow. really interesting. It's um very, very well acted. Um, you know, it's European actors and actresses, so I'm not 100% sure of the careers of some of these people. Um, and it, it, in a way, it almost has like an Argento feel to it. You know what I mean? It, it feels almost like an Italian-style like style film with like an Italian thriller. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. I mean, like, uh, 
do you watch a lot of Spanish horror? Are you like familiar with with the, any like Spanish horror film directors or anything like that? Um, a little bit. I mean, I, I mostly I watch like Italian and French horror. Like the Italian, uh, the the Spanish stuff, I'm not that familiar with, um, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I I have a few, uh, you know, the the record movies or wreck. You know, those are. No, I've seen those for sure. Those are great. Yeah, well, two or two. There's four of them. Two of them are good. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, I, I have this old uh, DVD uh, somewhere in my closet. Um, oh, it's something like six films to keep you awake, and it's six like uh, uh, Spanish directors doing like a sort of like Masters of Horror, uh, like the, the Spanish version. And uh, it, it, it's very good. I really feel like uh, Spain is onto something when it when it comes to horror and is uh, very uh, underrated. You don't hear a lot about like these uh, these uh, Spanish filmmakers as much as you hear about, you know, the French new wave of horror or, or like, you know, J-horror had its moments, moment in the sun. I feel like Spain never really quite got their moment. I'll, d- I'll dig deeper, man, because I thought this was really good, and I, I really enjoyed the Rex series, too. Or the, I only saw the first two. I didn't see the, lot, the third and fourth of those. Yeah, I'm going to dig out that DVD, and I'll send you the title. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. Like, it, it very much spans the range of, like, you know, atmospheric ghost tales to, like, more Steven Spielberg-y kind of stuff. Uh, it's, it, it's really good. It's something I found out about in Rue Morgue, like, back when I lived in New York. You know, so it's an older, older series. Right on, man. So what have you, what have you been getting into? Well, you know, uh, I think staying at the hotel in Austin a month ago, whatever, broke my brain because I can't stop watching the first 48. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I find myself coming home from work and just sitting on the couch and the first 48 is always on. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's been my shit lately. And, uh, <laughs> You know, it's basically that and, uh, you know, packing. And that's that's pretty much been my life. And to um, relax, I, uh, I've been uh, re-watching or I, uh, watching um, some HBO stuff, some older shows on HBO Max. Uh, I watched the show Hung. That oh, yeah. I, uh, Your buddy. seen an episode. Yeah, yeah. You know, my buddy, Tom Jane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> show that is interesting you know a uh, snapshot of the time like how how far and how different things are and just what 11 years since the show's been on um but you know it was it's okay i can't really say it's a great show you know uh i'm watching bored to death also on hbo max uh, about you know brooklyn hipsters who are not licensed private detectives uh, but <laughs> uh, anything involving private detectives or anything like that, I'm a sucker for. Um, this now, is just sort of like a, a mindless background thing for me, are, though. Are I they haven't... true hipsters from, like, say, 2002? Well, this was, like, 2010, and it's okay. Jason Schwartzman and Zach Galifianakis and Ted Danson. And Ted Danson's supposed to represent, like, the older, you know, hipster. He's like the Gavin McGinnis of the crew. <laughs> you, you know, he runs a magazine. He dresses real sharp. Um, <laughs> then you got like Zach Galifianakis, who's like he's, a he's into uh, he's into white power, like Gavin McGinnis. Yeah, you know he he starts a gang. <laughs> I, I think that was going to be like for season four, but it got canceled. Um, Jason Schwartzman is like the main guy, uh, and uh, it's 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 good to un- watch that and un- unwind at the end of the day. Um, 
we already talked about fresh and um another thing i do when i'm going to bed uh, i've been uh listening to nightmares and dreamscapes the stephen king short story anthology oh yeah that has uh one of my favorite stories in it um i think i know which one you're gonna say which one is it the, the lovecraftian one uh uh crouch end crouch end and that isn't that where like who some actual doesn't neil gaiman live in crouch end or something like that he probably does yeah yeah there's um, a british uh, horror author who actually lives in that neighborhood yeah that is my absolute favorite stephen king story of all time i think yeah. Uh, I read Nightmares and Dreamscapes came out when I was probably, I don't know, maybe like 14 or 15. Uh, loved it when it came out. It's interesting to go back and, and uh, listen to some of these stories while I'm drifting off to sleep. Interesting enough, the last one I listened to was a story called Sneakers, and it was narrated by the great David Cronenberg. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, you know, David, like that story is an interesting choice for Cronenberg because it's basically, you know, all about taking a shit. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you got Cronenberg, this very serious guy saying words like, you know, like fart and crap and dump. (laughs) It's just kind of a, kind of amusing. Um, Some of the stories haven't aged as well, but uh, I did uh, listen to Crouch End, which was narrated by uh, Tim Curry. Oh, wow. uh, You know, the, the original Pennywise. And, uh, I have to say, man, it's probably like my fifth, sixth time, you know, hear, like hearing that story. And I love it more and more every every time I listen to it. Is this like on Audible or something like that? Do you have an Audible account? I actually, you, I do have an Audible account, but I've been just putting it on TV, on, on YouTube, oh, and uh, okay. in a dark room and just sort of uh, relaxing. Oh, I should check that out, too. Very effective, so... That's what I've been up to. Um, I, I, I wanted to get out to see a second viewing of the movie we're about to talk about, but I just ha- haven't had the time. Real quick, there is a movie that I'm, I really want to see, and I think Mike and I spoke about this. There's a film called X, which is actually out right now. Yeah, Ty West. Yeah, yeah Ty West X. And I, I heard an interview with him, and it's he's according to him, he, basically what he says is like he thinks the new horror like thing is like, just fucking lame. <laughs> and like, he wants to take it back. <laughs> like he's, he's tired of all this, like, you know, whatever films that are coming out that just don't really go there anymore. And he's really? like, uh, yeah, yeah. It was actually on uh, all the colors of the dark. The same episode I found out about thesis. And, um, he's like, yeah, I'm, I want to go old school. I want to like make horror ugly and, 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 you know, again, and not for normal, regular people. And it's like for, you know, very niche kind of interests. Sure. So, um, hence X and, uh, I just look now and it's actually playing in the same theater that I saw Batman in at the, uh, oh, AM- nice. AMC dine-in Menlo park 12 in, uh, Edison, well, New Jersey. I, I, uh, I saw it's also playing at the draft house in Austin and LA. So, uh, if, if I'm going to check it out, that's going to be the place I go to see it. Cause that's where I saw the Batman at the Alamo draft house. Um, yeah. Great this, theater, great experience. I have a feeling though, if I there's two shows later tonight, then I might I might go to one of them. We'll see. I, but I, I oh, I'm cool. suspecting that I'll, it might be like me and two other people in the, in the theater as opposed to the Batman viewing that I, I went to. But you know what? Those are the best experiences when it's just like you and maybe like one or two other people. I, I just I don't know why I always enjoy that more than than a packed theater. Oh, I hate going into a packed theater. 
like this when I when I saw Batman, like I, I intentionally did not see it on opening weekend because I just didn't want to be around that many people really. And also yeah. all the shows were sold out and whatever, which is great. You know, I'm happy that the film is doing well. And um, I went to this other last weekend I went and it was like maybe half full. But of course, the the row that I'm in has got these two fucking teenage kids in there. This guy and his girlfriend. They kept like getting up and walking around and going. At, no, Christ! I, like, I wanted to like fucking break this guy's jaw and just be like, "Look, dude, go sit somewhere else. Do me a favor, you know." I don't. I don't you you just wanted to give him a vengeance style beatdown. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, and like, because it was like bumming me out. I'm like, I. I'm sitting here. I was excited. I want to see this movie and it didn't ruin my, my experience, but I was also like, can't I get one thing go my way? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> shout out to the draft house. They do not tolerate any kind of like nonsense like that. Like they will kick your ass out and they let you know it. Like every chance they get, like if you're on your phone, if you're fucking talking, if you're texting any of that. You're gone. Yeah. <laughs> like, Maybe I can get a part-time job as being like a goon at the draft house or something, you know? That'd be great. Security guards at movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are we there yet as a society? I don't think we're that far off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So we saw the Batman and uh, I, I got to point out, like, again, seeing it at the draft house really kind of added to the experience. When you see something at the draft house, everything you see when you walk into the theater before the movie starts is related to the movie you're going to see. So there was a lot of like Batman trivia. They were showing trailers for seven and things like that. You know, the, um, at first you're like, why are they showing a trailer for seven? And then you watch the Batman and you're like, oh, all right, I get it. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. You know, and, and, and I, I would like to keep this um, since this movie just came out. Let's try to keep it spoiler free. Like we can talk about the general. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to really oh, have totally. like everyone. Okay, well now I don't have to see the movie because Mike and Jeff ruined it for me now. Yeah. <laughs> well, one minor complaint is I think the trailer kind of gave away too much of the movie. Even though it's a three-hour movie, I think the trailer showed like almost every major beat of the film. Yeah, this is true. Uh, it's a, kind of a minor complaint didn't didn't take away from my enjoyment of the movie um but uh, you know i gotta say like a lot of times people talk about like uh filmmakers will talk about like oh we're making we're finally gonna make batman this and that and they never quite deliver like this movie delivered everything matt reeves and company said like this is going to be a noir dark detective story you're finally going to see batman as the great detective and uh this movie definitely delivered on, on on that account. Sure, I totally agree with that. And um, so let's just go through some of the the details here. So sure, released March first. We're still in the March 2022 right now. So just a few weeks ago, it came out. Mm-hmm. Budget of 200 million dollars American. Hmm. You know, so far it's made back. It's so far it's grossed 520 million. Wow. So it's a hit. Yeah, it's a hit. Runaway hit. Yeah. 178 minutes long. So it's a bit on the long side, you know. Sure. Uh, directed by Matt Reeves. And Matt has uh, brought us uh, Felicity, uh, Let Me In, which is the American remake of Let the Right One In. Uh, Way better than it should be. <laughs> yeah, because um, Americans can't be bothered with reading subtitles. So it's like yeah. they have to remake a, a perfectly fine movie in English with American actors, you know. Yeah. 
but that's a great remake. Uh, yeah, I can't it's, say anything really bad about it. No, nah, I, 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 I get very, uh, you know, curmudgeon-y about stuff like this. So, but I do agree. Sure. Let Me In was was a fine remake, and then uh, also he did Cloverfield. So Reeves mm. is like a J.J. Abrams kind of guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like uh, you're thinking, like who, like you know, is going to bring the next incarnation of Batman to the screen? Like, I, I obviously Matt Reeves didn't cross my mind, but when I heard his name, I was like, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. I had to look up and see who he was. Actually, I didn't even recognize him. And um, so he co-wrote it with uh, Peter Craig, who uh, was involved in the script for The Town and The Hunger Games. And The Town, I thought, was a pretty interesting crime movie. Yeah, the Ben Affleck movie. Yeah, yeah, great movie. And also, as everyone knows, Ben Affleck was originally supposed to write, direct, and star in this. We'll get into that for sure because there's like there's some there's some uh, you know backstory just with the whole production of this film, okay? Uh, the the pat the cast was uh, I got to be honest, man. Robert Pattinson as Batman, I kind of like my brow furrowed a little bit when I found out that he was cast as Batman. Really? Yeah. You know, I mean, I like Robert Pattinson. I think you know seeing him, the actually the role. The role that really turned me around was when he was in uh, Good Time, <laughs> like that movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I was. I like, mean, we could do an episode on the Safdie brothers films. Yes. Uh, those are basically horror movies yeah. <laughs> like for me. I mean, um, they're just like one long panic attack. Yeah, because you know, I you know, I like thinking him initially as uh, you know the, the the sexy vampire guy, you know, with the the sparkles and all that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? And I know that's completely only one very, very minor facet to this guy's career, you know, and he is on the lighthouse. He was great in that. Um, You know, there's another film called the, I think it's called the devil all the time. Maybe. Yes. With uh, a Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man. Peter Parker's in that. (laughs) So there's like a Batman, Peter Parker crossover. crossover. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, He's just fucking. Uh, I think he's a, one of the, his generation's finest actors, really. But with all that said, I didn't quite see him as Batman. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, for me, Robert Pattinson. I, I don't know which Twilight movie I've seen. I've seen one of them. Uh, it was back when I lived in Hollywood, and it was just hilariously bad. Um, but he it got him on David Cronenberg's radar, and I think that's when he sort of became a, a legitimate actor. He went from Twilight to doing films like Cosmopolis, which is a movie I don't even think I understood. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, he was determined to sh- sort of shed that that uh, that image and, and has picked really interesting work. You know, he does a lot of like uh, secondary, like, you know, he's not top build, like in The Lighthouse, he's the, the second uh, build or in something like Tenant, you know, he's the uh, the sidekick. Um, so he's made a lot of interesting choices. So I really, when I heard he was Batman, I was excited. I, I thought, who, who else? Who better? No, you know, I, I mean, we already I, got Christian Bale, who is like, like of course that's the guy you think of to play Batman. You know, so I thought Robert Pattinson was a very logical choice. I really couldn't think of anyone else to play the part. You know, I I, I thought he was great, and and all we'll get into more detail about that. But sure, um, but yeah, I, I I'm one. He won me over. Okay, um, okay, we got Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle slash Catwoman. She was great, mm-hmm. fantastic. One of my favorite choices, Paul Dano as the Riddler. Mm. 
he he was amazing and i i am a big paul dano fan i think he's awesome um yeah he was born to play this role 100 percent uh jeffrey wright as uh commissioner james gordon and we might Mm -hmm. remember him from westworld um Yep, and, you know, a whole bunch of things. Hey, he's he's fantastic. Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff, and yeah. What I always, for whatever reason, Westworld comes to mind. You know what I mean? Oh, interesting. I always remember uh, he came on my radar from the Shaft remake with Samuel L. Jackson, where oh, yeah. he played like he played like the piece of shit drug dealer. <laughs> yep. Yeah, very versatile um, actor. Very versatile. Great, great actor. Great choice for Gordon. John Turturro, a legend, as Carmine Falcone. Hmm. Peter Sars Peter Sarsgaard, another another legendary writer, you know, as uh he plays uh Gotham's DA, uh Gil Colson. Small but pivotal role. Yeah. But I have to mention Peter Sarsgaard though, just because you have to, because like he's a in my mind, like a titan in the acting field. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think his like uh work in the movie Jarhead particularly stands out for me. Uh I like that the, the movie kind of got shit on upon release I, I, but I, I i thought it was great and i thought he was great in it i like uh i like that movie because um you know i know i know a lot of vets you know just from like you know training and stuff like that and <laughs> we like to frame these guys up as like I, i'm not trying i am not denigrating anyone who has served this country in the military but uh that the type of guy is a certain type of guy who goes into the military. And I think that movie kind of nailed it really. Absolutely. Uh, under, <laughs> un, underrated war movie. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I don't, yeah. I don't want to get beat up next time. I go into, like, <laughs> so. Hey, I heard you talking shit in the podcast, Mike. What do you want? <laughs> yeah. Um, Andy circus says Alfred and, uh, very good. Kind of like an understated Alfred in this movie a little bit, you know? Yeah, when I first heard that, I was like, um, not, not, you know, I was like, oh, that's an interesting choice. But when you see it in the context of the movie, it totally makes sense. They're doing something, you know, Alfred's a bit younger, a little bit more of a badass. Yeah. Yeah. The completely unrecognizable Colin (laughs) Farrell as uh, Oswald Cobblespot, a.k.a. the Penguin. Mm, Yeah, I'll have a lot to say about that character for sure. And that and that's uh, basically the cast. I mean, the it was fucking everyone killed it. It was dialed in, and there's like incredible acting in this movie, which is like definitely one of the one of the key points of this film. Absolutely, and uh, I want to ask you, Mike, before we really get into the movie, like, what is your? Are you a Batman fan? Like, uh, I, I I've known you for a long time. I've known you. You've always been a comic book guy. Were you a big reader? Yeah. Oh, of, of course, a, a Batman. Yep, totally. I mean, and I mean, Batman is really the only DC character I like reading. Um, the Batman and and Swamp Thing, like more of the Vertigo stuff. But Batman uh, was the only normal, regular DC universe character that I ever followed. Reg- you know, on a normal, regular basis. I didn't get into Superman or the Justice League or green lantern or any of that stuff and i just read batman comics and i was always more of a marvel guy and i feel like batman to me was more had more of that sensibility of kind of like this like street level like darker character more complex character um and that's why i always gravitated more towards him yeah same same here man like i'm not a big comic book reader but i've always enjoyed 
Batman. It's just, just like you said, just a, a darker character, darker sensibilities. A lot, a lot of things you can do uh, with that character. Um, but I really got into it like right before. Like I, I mean, we're roughly in the same age group. You must remember the original Batman coming out and what a cultural phenomenon that was. The Michael Keaton version. Yes, the yeah. Tim Burton one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you couldn't yeah. go anywhere for like eight months without seeing the bat symbol somewhere. Yeah. And that was, uh, you know, on the, on the, the heels of, uh, Frank Miller's, uh, dark Knight, you know, and that, that kind of really upped the ante when it comes to, um, you know, Batman as like, uh, this darker, you know, character. And, uh, that was in the eighties and that was kind of the explosion of like adult themed comics with, uh, the Watchmen, uh, Ronin, which was another Frank Miller uh, piece. And um, yeah, the Dark Knight changed the way people saw the character. And then I think that might have been what inspired the Tim Burton vision of Batman in the late 80s. Yeah, I think so too. And there's also a healthy dose of, of, of Tim Burton in, in, in those movies. Right. Uh, Tim Burton is famously not a, not a comic book guy. And, uh, and it kind of shows when he, like, you know, he, he did the studio Batman. And then for the sequel, he's like, well, I'm fucking making this my movie. And uh, he made Batman Returns, which is my third favorite Batman movie now. Um, but it's very much a Tim Burton movie more than it's a Batman movie. But it's a very interesting take on the character and 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 uh, of Batman, of the Penguin, of cat, like uh, uh, of everything. It's just a, a unique vision that is very like nightmarish and, and ghoulish. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think around the beginning, like going into the '90s, with that is when Batman was almost became like this horror, horror character, horror, dark noir, um, you know, nighttime kind of thing. You know what I mean? And uh, this kind of gothic, you know, character. And uh, right. And I think that's Burton definitely crafted that. I mean, well, there's there's some really bad films that came out later in the '90s too. But, uh, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and it was a direct reaction to Burton's, uh, Batman returns. Um, you know, I was doing a little bit of reading and I don't know how true this is, but Burton planned a third film to be set during Halloween with Scarecrow as the main villain. And mm -hmm. is there anything more Tim Burton than that? <laughs> yeah, no, that would, that would have been great. You know, that would have been great, but, uh, you know, we got the Joel Schumacher movies, uh, instead. And, um, what are your thoughts about those? I, I don't mean, like, I don't I, like I, any of those. I, I stopped. Yeah. I didn't even see them. You know, the one with Val Kilmer. Really? I didn't, I didn't, I rejected them <laughs> yeah, completely. Rightfully so. But you know, like, you know, the, the thing about, and we'll get into like fandom and things like that. And adaptation is just that, like, like. It doesn't like have to be your idea of Batman and what you exactly what you read in the comics. Like once it becomes once it gets in a, a director's and writer's hands, it becomes their thing. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of like arguing Batman would never do this. Batman would never do that. He would do this. But like, you know, Batman's not real. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get it. You know, I, but just that that vision and that, you know, version of the character, I didn't think I would enjoy it really. You know no, I mean? and you wouldn't. Those movies aren't good. But you know what? When uh, when my stepdaughter was a, uh, 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 you know, seven or eight, she couldn't handle the Tim Burton one. It was too dark and scary for her. But she loved the, 
uh, you know, George Clooney and uh, Schwarzenegger one. So I'm like, you know, this works on some level for someone, you know, it doesn't work for me as, as an adult, but like, if you're like a kid, um, those movies are fun, you know, I could dig that. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. for kids, for sure. Yeah. It's a good way to, to enjoy the character that way. But, you know, just I like the, the Burton version. It's funny because I remember like when that came out, everyone was like, oh, it's like this super dark version. It's got like Jack Nicholson as the Joker and everything. And and for the time, it was the darkest vision of the character that you can see. But watching going back and watching it again, it's like, yeah, it's not it, it's it's definitely fine. Like, I it really love those those versions of the character but they go way darker later on and i think that's just like you know 20 30 years in time that creates that sort of atmosphere you know oh totally so i gotta ask ask uh what do you think of the nolan trilogy like you were a fan i would i would assume oh, yeah dude i i totally backed it i mean i i christian bale when i heard he was playing batman slash bruce wayne i was like makes 100 percent sense to me that a guy like him, you know, knowing all, being familiar with his work and reading about him and his physical, his physicality, you know, I think was like the right choice for that character. And I, and I'm going to say that I think he did a great Bruce Wayne. And um, he, yes, yeah. yeah. And his Batman might have been like a little bit, a little heavy handed, you know. A little bit, but that's, you know, that's also Christopher Nolan directing. He's got a heavy hand. Right, <laughs> I, I, right. I rewatched the, 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 those movies when I got my booster shot, uh, just laying in bed. And, um, you know, the, the dark Knight I think is still a great movie, but there, there's a lot of flaws in Nolan's trilogy, especially the, the third one with, with, with Bane. Um, the second one though is a tour de force, man. I, yeah, I Dude. mean, it's, it's awesome. I mean, just as like a spectacle, just watching it is great. It doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> like a lot of the things that happen, if you really break it down and think about it, you're like, well, that didn't make any sense, but who cares? <laughs> you know, it's, it's such a fun ride. It's a, a great Joker movie, man. You know what I mean? It really is. And, and then, then that's one thing. And we'll talk about like that character I mean, uh, and, and Heath Ledger just, I mean, I don't know anyone who doesn't think Heath Ledger just fucking knocked it out of the park with with that. And that became the standard of like, this is the best Batman villain we've seen on film. And if, if it's one minor criticism I could say about the new Batman is that that's still true. Not saying anything bad about anyone in the new Batman, but like Heath Ledger's Joker still is the number one villain. I think he's uh, a, you know, slightly edges out Joaquin Phoenix in the movie Joker, you know. Totally, totally agree. And, and it's interesting too because Joker and Nolan and and Reeves movies all share a lot of common themes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like in incelism, and which which we'll talk about soon. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, uh, sure. But uh, I mean, they uh, well, whatever. I won't say anything anything for more about it. But um, but yeah, it's uh. That that and so even in the comics, the Joker is like the ultimate foil for Batman. Like so much of Batman's the mythos has to do with his conflict with the Joker. You know, Arkham Asylum, like all this stuff is like very much like the Joker is his main nemesis. So it makes sense that you know they would put so much energy into creating a, a powerful character like that. 
in the movies. Yeah, and I mean, the Dark Knight just has that iconic scene of those two talking in the uh, in, in, in the uh, prison cell or whatever, the interrogation room where like they just lay it out it's like you're the yin to my yang, you know, I'm the immovable force, and you know, you're the unstoppable object, you know, we're 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 gonna do this forever. Uh, it's really too bad. He passed away and, you know, you think what could have been if they, they did another one with him. Yeah. Yeah. So just get back to some of the production of this film. Um, mm, yes. Originally, uh, like we were, we hinted at earlier, Ben Affleck, who is, he's the DC universe Batman, you know, for now. Yeah. For now. <laughs> like, you know, well, you know, the Batman versus Superman, Justice League, like all that stuff. You'll see Ben Affleck as, uh, as Batman. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, originally, it was, there was supposed to be a, a, a script with a Fleck and Jeff Johns co-writing. And uh, a Fleck was slated to co-direct or direct and also star in the movie. So that was like the original plan for this, you know, for Bat- the new Batman film. Yeah. Okay. 2020, I believe that was supposed to come out. Yeah, yeah. So had that come into being... I don't think I would have been as excited about it as I am without Ben Affleck. You know what I mean? Uh, couldn't couldn't agree more. <laughs> I, I think, you know, when I heard Ben Affleck was cast as Batman, I was like, oh, interesting. I didn't see that one coming, but it makes sense. I'm very, and all the production skills that came out, like, I was like, oh, fuck, that new Batsuit is awesome. Like, they're, they're doing a comic book style. But then when you saw the actual movies, I was like, eh. This is kind of whatever. <laughs> like it's it's not the biggest piece of shit ever, but it's I don't I gotta say Batman versus Superman, I would not say is a good movie. It has good moments, but it's kind of a mess and uh takes itself seriously to the point where it's almost comical. I I, I don't know what exactly they were going for with that movie, but I, I can't say it was a success. But I agree. It, Affleck's Batman was cool. I mean, you finally got like a real awesome Batman like fight scene. Like when he's in the warehouse and he's just beating the living shit out of those people, you're like, that's how I always pictured Batman like fighting. Like you, you never really got that in the movies. Nolan does spectacle, but he doesn't exactly do fight chore- uh, choreographing very well. I always thought like Nolan should have hired one of these. Um you know, uh, guys from, like, these Asian cinema action movies to do the fight choreography? Yeah, like, have the guys who did, like, The Raid or something yeah. like that. Yeah, you know, and, and, uh, and maybe even have a different guy doing the fight scene than, you know, Ben Affleck. Because, like, the thing is with those Asian films, like, the way that those are, that they're, like, actually connecting in their shots. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're, like, like 50%, you know shots but you're 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 actually it's like it looks like you're really watching a fight and they have these like you see the whole frame like they're not cut necessarily and i really really love that about all those films and i would love to see a batman movie done that way yeah me too and like you know the way nolan uh did it like in batman begins it's very like shaky cam sort of uh jason Bourne style which was you know kind of all, all the rage back then and I guess it made kind of sense. You're like, well, well, Batman moves so fast, you can't really see what he's doing. But then in like the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises, there's a little bit more choreographed, but it felt very choreographed. Like you, you can almost hear them going one, two, three, kick, punch, one, two, three. You know, you, you know what I mean? It just 
didn't quite land the way uh, it did in in, in uh, you know Zack Snyder's version, yeah. or in the or in the new one. Yeah, I mean um, the new yeah the fight scenes in the new one are actually pretty cool. I thought they were they were really good. No, I agree. And uh, you know, there's not a lot. I mean, this is a three hour movie, and it's pretty light on action. Well, that that that's the other thing I really appreciated about it too is that it is like there's I guess this brooding tone over the whole thing and it's more narrative driven you know which is right which I like I like that kind of stuff but uh yeah to wrap up the production thing what Ben Affleck uh you know he had a drinking problem didn't want to play Batman anymore (laughs) (laughs) is is that really what it comes down to well you know it depends on who you ask and where you read it but like in back in 2017 Affleck steps down and um and he his, his his reasoning was like I wanted to focus more on on the uh, starring, my acting, and all that kind of stuff. I don't think I would be a good director, and which he's probably right about, really. You know, I think he would have made an interesting Batman film. Uh, I think his first two uh, Boston films are are brilliant. Uh, some of my favorite Boston crime movies ever, which is uh, Gone Baby Gone and The Town, uh, especially Gone Baby Gone. So I was like, oh, that guy doing a Batman movie—that that's interesting. Now, what um, was his involvement with the writing and directing of those two movies? I know that I know that uh, um, what's his name there the the writer on this film was involved in the town. Yeah, as far as I know, is Affleck uh, directed and, and co-wrote both okay. both movies. Same same with Argo, I believe. Oh, and okay. Argo was the team, the writing team that did these Batman and Justice League movies that were, oh, okay, you know, famously uh, hated <laughs> by most people. Yeah, the I um, I gotta I gotta be honest. The only reason why I really like Ben Affleck at all is because of he's he's buddies with with uh, Kevin Smith. Really? And, yeah. He I don't know. There's something unlikable about that dude, and that's just me. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm just speaking freely about my feelings here. You know. I think he's better behind the camera, and I think given the right role, he's good in front of the camera, like uh, like in a Gone Girl or. Something like, or when he's directing himself, like he can, he can really shine in a role like that. You know, he's like a Keanu Reeves, you know, you just got to look good on screen, give your lines and, you know, look good kicking ass <laughs> or, 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 or whatever. He's a movie star. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, that's kind of interesting. And then Reeves takes over. He was tapped to replace uh, a Fleck as director and, you know, writer and all this uh, sort of business. And he only agreed to do this if he can have his own creative control over the script. So whatever a fleck had come up with, with Jeff Johns, they, they threw it out and they just started from scratch again. Yeah. And which was at the time, I remember being a little bummed, but I was like, do we really need like how many versions of Batman do we need going at once? Um, and turns out uh, it's <laughs> this ends up being, you know, like I think maybe the definitive Batman movie. Well, this is interesting. It's a good point to to kind of talk about this. I guess is that apparently this is not. It's in a multiverse. This is not part of like the DC universe. This uh, Batman right. story. So similar to the Joker film this doesn't take place like in that continuum of like the justice league and you know, all this other stuff. Yeah. And it just goes to show like, you don't have to follow the Marvel template. You know, you can make something independent of like this big, you know, 
20 film arc thing. You can just make your own sort of film removed from all that. And I think it just works infinitely better. I think Batman's a better character when you get him away from aliens and, and other world beings and things like that. Like, yeah, I, I, that's one thing I really didn't like about Snyder's vision. It was just kind of goofy. Like, what do you need Batman for when you have Superman who can literally do anything? Yeah, no, I agree with that. And that's, that's all what I've enjoyed more about the comics too. It's like, I don't think he's a cosmic sort of character at all. You know, he doesn't have any, right, super, no superpowers. He's just like a, a, a rich guy with all these resources and who's borderline sociopathic, you know, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> You know, I like him better in these like kind of down to earth, like street level crime fighting stories. Me too. And uh, I gotta say, man, the way the way this movie just starts off and throws you into this world, I appreciate it as of someone who's you know in my forties and has known about this character for most of my life. That this movie assumes that you're seeing this and you know story you know that like it doesn't have to explain the origins of you know batman or like batman's friendship with with, with gordon or like you just know that like th these guys have a partnership it just kind of throws you into the movie yes like for such a long movie like it just it it hits the ground running well one of the key things in the apparently the difference between um reeves plot and the effect john's version of the script was that Reeves wanted to focus on the early period of Batman's career. So this is like year two, apparently, of like his uh, existence as the Batman. So he's like a younger guy. Yeah, so it makes sense. We got Pattinson playing him. You know, he's a little bit younger than Fleck, you know, by probably about a decade, I guess, right? At least. Yeah, I would say so. I think Pattinson's probably early 30s. I think Ben Affleck's probably pushing 50, if not 50. Yeah, yeah. So he's like 20 years younger than him. So, yeah. Right. Um I gotta say, like, you know, these big comic book movies usually start off with a bang. Uh, I really love how this movie starts off. Like, it really sets the tone. Um, like, you know, like, the, the Nolan movies start off with these big action set pieces with the villains. This movie starts with the villain as well, but it's very, like, low-key and, in a way, like, sort of scary and, like, almost horror-esque. Well, I, I, I'm gonna say that I, you know... We're, we're, this is a horror podcast. We're covering this movie, and it and it, there's a lot of horror notes in this. You know, the Riddler, and and just his whole presence in this is a is and the the atmosphere of the of Gotham City. It's like it's always raining. It's nighttime. You know, it's like this benighted city. It has this very sinister vibe to it. Uh, you know, essentially the Riddler comes off as almost like a serial killer. You know. And, um, yeah, obviously very influenced by the real Zodiac killer. That's one of the things they talked about, actually, when you, if you read up on, on uh, the character design. Apparently, uh, they picked up on the, you know, they used the Zodiac killer, uh, like, you know, police sketches and things like that. And <laughs> they based <laughs> Pattinson's Bruce Wayne around Kurt Cobain, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, one of my few minor annoyances with the movie, like very, very minor that I... His Bruce Wayne was a little lackluster for me, and the, the whole emo-ishness of, of him was a little little much, but... The goth, you know, uh, the goth Bruce Wayne? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, he's got his hair in his face, and he's just always like a brooding little asshole. <laughs> but, you know, like, if you, okay, like, Matt Reeves obviously wanted to ground this in reality. 
And how do you bring the Riddler from the comics into the real world? You know, the the the, the green suit with question marks and the bowling hat or whatever the fuck he wears. It's, that's not going to work. So what do you do? You know, you make him this like fucking like kind of like he's a genius, but he's also pathetic and, and, yeah. and weak, but knows he's the smartest guy in the room. Uh, I loved the reimagining of the Riddler. I loved his introduction. It reminded me of Michael Myers. Yeah. When yeah, you first see yeah, him. Yeah. There's like a slasher element to the character. And they also play on the, the very real world um, phenomenon of like incels and online culture and the dark web and, and chat rooms and just like this weird, super internal world that a lot of people exist in, you know, um, cause they're cut off because, you know, whatever they're fucking losers and they can't get laid. You know, I don't know. No, uh, totally. I mean, like this is kind of interesting too, because like, you know, so many of these comic book movies, like the big bad guy has all these henchmen you wonder like, where do these people come from? And this movie kind of answers that question in yeah. a very real grounded way. Like guys getting radicalized online. It's that, a very real thing. And it's, we saw that happen and, last year, <laughs> you know? Exactly. And again, it doesn't, you don't roll your eyes like, oh God, they're forcing political bullshit into the movie. It really fits in yeah. like seamlessly. And I, I kind of agree with what they're saying. <laughs> well, I mean, this is another, this is a great example of what we were hinting at earlier when we we're talking about fresh, how there's like this heavy handed, you know, Okay, here's the here's the plot. How can we superimpose our political ideas over this plot? This is like a very natural way of um, of presenting that real phenomenon that's going on in our society about online culture and radicalization of you know these like lonely white guys out there. You know, absolutely. And there's a line that the Catwoman says about like uh, privileged white people, and again, like it's in character. Like, it seems like something Selena Kyle would absolutely say, and, and she would feel that way. You know, the, the class issue comes up in, in, in this movie, and it's not, you know, it's not the point of the movie, but it's there. You know, Bruce Wayne's wealth is mentioned quite a bit, and, like, question, people questioning what he does with it, or, like, you know, things like that. Like, uh, I, I, I've looked a little bit online. There has been some like, you know, fucking far right weirdos who can't enjoy anything. <laughs> who are like calling this the woke Batman movie. Oh God. Yeah, of course. I, I did not. That's absurd. Yeah. If, if that's what you got from this, you went in looking for that. Well, that, yeah, that that's like, but that's what the right wing does all the time. Like they go in looking for things that they can use into to bolster their own fucked up ideas about the world you know what i mean yeah they'll, they'll like, find yeah, anything they'll find i mean i don't want to get political but it's just like well i mean everyone knows where i stand on this shit if you've been listening to this podcast and everything went black you know i'm, I'm a lefty you know i'm a left-leaning moderate left-leaning centrist i guess you know what i mean sure yeah you know, I, I, I'm not, I, I am not a right-wing conservative by any stretch of the imagination, but... You are not a member of the Proud Boys. I am not, a, yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I know that these guys, like, they come in with, they have, like, they, they'll twist anything to fit their narrative. And that's what happens, I guess, with this movie. There's some fucking guy out there who's never held a woman's breast in his hand before out there on some sketchy fucking <laughs> website you know, <laughs> Trump.com or whatever. 
that is like, <laughs> you know, DonaldTrumpCuck.com, like who <laughs> who wants to come into this thing? Oh, well, let me see. We have black people in it. We have a black, you know, Gordon. We have a black Selena Kyle. You know, let me let me see what I can find in here that'll that I can use to my own ends. You know what I mean? So fuck those guys, you know? And yeah. If, and, and if I you're mean, one of those guys yeah. and you listen to this podcast, don't listen to this podcast anymore. All yeah. Right? F- fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. Yeah. So like they, they integrate, uh, uh, you know, so a little bit of modern politics in, in, into the movie. I feel it's seamless. I felt it was necessary too. like, yeah, totally. to uh, uh, address that. But uh, getting 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 back to the movie, the Riddler's introduction was great, and I gotta say, man, as far as Batman introductions go, like this movie had me almost immediately when they introduce Robert Pattinson as Batman. I loved that, like, you know, like in the other movies in the comic, he's very like stealthy, but here he's just sort of there, like you hear him coming, like his footsteps are almost like an like an omen, like oh shit. Here, here it comes. And you just kind of see him come out of like the subway. It's just like, you know, and like you, you get why people would be afraid of him. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely fear inspiring. And, and, um, that's the one thing I was, were I was wondering how they were going to take, a, I mean, cause I don't know what, um, Pattinson's physical, you know, like how tall he is or what he weighs or what, you know, like how you would, I, my imagination of my imagining of him is that he's not a very, imposing guy you know right but in the film he he seems dangerous which is cool you know they make him seem like this very imposing very uh you know like a figure with with a lot of strength and power and that kind of stuff you know yeah and you see it in the way he like beats the living shit out of like that 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 gang member that like he's still very much young and fueled by like rage um about you know his situation i uh, also got to mention like i said before like they kind of throw you into this and they, they 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 think you you know like if you're seeing this you know the character we don't get another uh scene of his parents dying uh and we don't need it like I, they do they show like batman's psyche and like more interesting ways i think like the way he like fights the way he beats people up the way uh, he looks at the mayor's son after the mayor has been murdered by the Riddler. That's not a spoiler. It's in the, it's in the trailers. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, he, you know, Batman just gives him this glance and that's all you need to know. Like, you get it. Like, he's like, I, I know what this kid is going through because I went through it. Yeah. And, and they, they don't beat you over the head with a storyline. You probably know already going into the movie. Yeah, exactly. We've seen it in literally every Batman movie. I mean, it's even in the Joker movie. That's right. At the, yep. uh, in the Joker film, movie. I thought it was done really well, though, you know, honestly, because it kind of like Bruce Wayne is in the movie as a young kid. And right. then they you literally see him become basically Batman at the end of the movie, you know. Right. Which is interesting if they continue to, to make more of those. I kind of hope they don't nah, think yeah, the movie is, yeah. is great the way it is. I don't really want to know anything more about that character or universe like they just they did it they did it really well let it be but of course they won't you know someone will throw 30 million dollars at joaquin phoenix and you know he can build like a vegan farm or something with it so (laughs) you know what i'm saying as a total fanboy part of me would like to see 
Pattinson's Batman and Phoenix's Joker in a film together, though. That would be cool, but yeah. um, I know I, I know that, that it's I, probably I, never going to happen, and it's probably for the best that it doesn't happen. But part of I me agree. wants to see that. I think they're setting up their own thing with that, yeah. uh, possibly. But uh, yeah, great Batman introduction, and I mean, really, like Robert, like Robert Pattinson is in the bat suit for I would say what, like eighty five percent of the movie. Yeah, he's, he's like, basically Batman twenty four seven. Yeah. yeah. And this is the first time we're hearing narration. And I never realized how much, like, I was like, yes, narration. Like, this is just like the comics. Like, this, I can't believe no one's thought of this before. Now, do you think Bruce Wayne is a journaler? <laughs> <laughs> apparently, apparently, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I could see that. He seems like, he seems like um, especially Pattinson's version. Cause you know, Pattinson's like very, very goth, you know, he's, he's got the eyeliner on and, and, um, you know, the hair, I could see him being a journaler. He's got, you know, like, um, he's listening to the slow dive or something like that. And has got his, his little notebook out writing all this stuff down. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably listening to the Smiths drinking a glass of red wine to like, you know, unwind <laughs> and like, <laughs> you, you beating, know, beating people up all night. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But uh, you know what? Like, this is a similar theme that has been covered in, in, in other movies that that Bruce Wayne is really the mask and Batman is the real person. But they have like a, a, a unique unique spin on it. Like Bruce Wayne isn't some billionaire playboy. Well, he is a billionaire, but he's not some like playboy party guy. He's some fucking weirdo recluse, <laughs> yeah. you know? Well, and it, uh, he doesn't enjoy being Bruce Wayne. Like he comes alive when he's Batman. Like that's who he really is. I really like that too, because part of me was like, like halfway during the film, I was like, it really makes sense that it's someone with that mentality, especially at that maybe at that young age, because he's you know this is year two, you know, that it makes sense for him to be this kind of reclusive guy, doesn't really interact, doesn't even have anything to do with the the family business necessarily. He's very detached. You know, and like, you know, knowing that age of of what a young man might want to feel, you know, is is like a, you know the wisdom of being like an older guy, I guess. Looking back to someone who's in their early thirties, you know, it makes sense that he would be this reclusive, detached guy. And and in a way, even in, even in the Nolan Batman, I felt like when Christian Bale was being the, the playboy Bruce Wayne, that was a construct. You know, right. Like there's a scene in one of the Batman movies where he's at this party and he's got like a glass of wine. And when he dismisses everyone, he just dumps the wine out. Like he's like, yeah, I don't fucking drink or anything like that. I have to just I was going to bring that up. That's one of my favorite scenes for. Yeah, he's drinking champagne, just goes out on the balcony, just tosses it like it means nothing. Like it's like this isn't who I am. Yeah. You know, so yeah. so it very much I, I love the idea of like the the playboy being like the construct. And I think that in this film he hasn't developed that character like maybe in the next film there's going to you're going to see i have to i have i need a face for the public to to so i can interact and i can you know i i need another version of myself you know what i mean right and i think that uh, other, might come yeah. to the forefront in the next films i think so too and i think a lot of that a lot of people's complaints about that i think are like you know, okay, well, let's talk about the bat suit. Like, I've seen people like, oh, I hate the cowl. I hate, like, the suit's too bulky. But I'm like, well, he's really figuring everything out. 
I really loved how practical and lo-fi everything was. Like, and we got to see some new gadgets too. Like, like uh, the um, the idea that Batman uses uh, contacts to record everything. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. Fucking genius. And then he goes home and like takes notes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was amazing. I love that. That was such a like smart, like cool thing. Or like you know, like he doesn't have the grapple gun. It's part of his like suit. It's part of like his his armor. Um, you know, the Batmobile is a, a muscle car, basically. Yeah, that rules. It's like a fucking, yeah, like, it's just this soup. Like, when I first saw that, I was like, yeah, I don't know what I think. But when I saw that car chase, I was like, man, <laughs> I, I hope they keep this Batmobile. Hell yeah. Yeah, that would be sick if he had, like, a Mustang or something like that. You know, like, yeah. Tricked out. And I, I like that, you know, Batman needs help. He can't do everything on his own. He get selena kyle to help like spy for him obviously him and gordon have this uh this 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 partnership where the like you know he's still new in town the police really don't know what to think of him and one of my favorite shots in the movie again it's in the trailer is batman point of view walking into a crime scene and all the cops are just slowly turning to look at him like this fucking guy yeah yeah totally yep they don't know what to make of him yeah Right. He's not just there in the corner in the scene. Like you see him walk into the room. That's what kind of what I, I really liked about this movie. Like you see Batman like walking around with like just other people or like, you know, walking down the city street where people are you know just looking at him. He doesn't just appear. You know, he's not like this stealth ninja that we've seen so many times. He's just a guy in a suit. Now, that, if you're uh, one of these guys with like the the flag, you know, like with the blue line on it, like would you? Well, how would you feel about Batman? You think? That's interesting. The movie does kind of deal with that. You see, like one character, sort of one one of the cops, sort of warm up to him by by at some point in the movie. But like, yeah, these cops are basically like, you're no better than these fucking people we're trying to hunt down. Which, again, is a, a major theme in this movie and all the Batman movies. Escalation. Like, this guy is a fucking freak fighting crime in a mask. And uh, this is only going to cause more problems. And that's something the movie does grapple with and that this Batman grapples with. He's like, am I making a difference? And then he's, well, maybe I am, but maybe it's not the difference I want to make. Didn't this, you know, it's funny, like, this movie seemed like a David Fincher film and that's why like I think a lot of people are comparing it to seven somewhat you know oh yeah absolutely I mean it's like you know it's always raining there's rats everywhere like there's, there's just such of like a uh, a focus on the grime and the dirt and like the, how just awful this city really is um, and that's one thing you know like when you look at Nolan's movie you're basically Gotham City Chicago when you look at this movie, I, I feel like you're looking at Gotham City. Yes. Even though at one yep. point watching the movie, my girlfriend leaned over and said, I know where that is. That's it. <laughs> like when when, uh, when the Riddler's having his coffee, apparently that's a, that's a place in Chicago. Oh, uh, but other than that, you know, like I, I really felt like Gotham was its own unique world. It wasn't Chicago. It wasn't New York. It wasn't, you know, it was its, its own thing its own i hate to say like gotham's a character in this movie but it really is yeah yeah definitely you know it's like almost like this it's almost like it's in another dimension where it rains every day yeah (laughs) and i love that we see it too on the cusp of something really big happening like 
we don't have any like you know we have the riddler on the loose i think this is probably batman's first real uh worthy adversary um and alongside that you got you got the mob um should talk about the penguin the penguin isn't quite like the penguin we know as this crime boss he's sort of like a, a lieutenant in falcone's army or something yeah. he kind of like what did you think of colin farrell as as the penguin well at first i didn't even recognize him at all and um yeah he is i mean <clears throat> i thought he was great because i i had no idea i was he was completely you know the penguin like he was like another I, it wasn't like oh it's colin farrell you know it's like a totally he was he was the character and um yeah it's definitely a unique take on it as him being this kind of like, you know, henchman uh, underling in Falcone's uh, gang, you know, not his own sort of guy. And uh, it right. gives you like, uh, you know, while things happen in there and you see that he's probably going to be rising up pretty quickly through the ranks and going off on his own. And that sets him up for future conflicts down the line like in, in another film or, you know, maybe the next movie, maybe he plays a bigger part, you know? I hope so because I fucking loved this character. I love this take on it. Um, when I saw this movie, uh, I don't know what trailers were attached when you saw it, but we got a trailer for, uh, the Elvis biopic. <laughs> yeah. I saw and, the same uh, trailer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there, there's like, you know, Tom Hanks is in that. But like, all you see is that he's playing someone important to Elvis. I don't know much about Elvis. Uh, he's playing his manager or something. But all I see is Tom Cruise in a fat suit. And then cut to watching this movie. I don't see Colin Farrell at all. Under that makeup, under that voice. Like, it's a complete transformation. And it's a bold, broad swing he's taking. Like, he knows he's in a comic book movie. Uh, you you know what I mean? Like he's kind of playing it like like he's one of Tony Soprano's gang. You know what I mean? Like like Paulie Wallens or something. Like oh hey sweetheart. Yeah yeah totally. It's exactly you what know, it made me think of is like the Sopranos. You know. Yeah, like that could go so wrong, but he nails it and it fits. Like he's almost sort of like a funny, likable character in a way. Um, I thought it was interesting that he hasn't really embraced the name penguin like he calls himself oz yeah it's like hey i'm oz you know and uh just little things the way he walks with a limp um like, you wouldn't really even put it together if you it, unless you knew like the mythos of the batman like stories you know what i mean like you right you wouldn't put it together that oz oz is the penguin unless like you knew that already Right, yeah, it's some sort of like it's almost like a demeaning nickname that he has yet to embrace. Like right. you know, like his face is scarred. He walks with a limp. We aren't shown why any of that happened or told, but you know, Colin Farrell is one of these like fucking immersive actors. I bet he's made up a whole story about why the Penguin walks the way he walks and looks the way he looks. Like I, I, I would, I would almost guarantee it. Have you seen uh, the Gotham TV series? Uh, I saw uh, the first season or two. What do you, and, th what uh, do you think went, of that? I think it went off the rails really quick. <laughs> yeah, I like, only, I barely, I haven't, like my mom told me I should watch it. Like my mother like, watched that, the entire thing, you know what I mean? And uh, right on. I, um, I started watching it and for whatever reason, I thought it was really good, man. Like I, you know, I, I thought it was like a very interesting idea that like the penguin in that, that kid that played the penguin, I thought was great. 
Yeah, it was a cool take on on the character. I just thought, like, you know, again, adaptations are what they are. Like, once they get in someone else's hands, they become their thing. Uh, I just didn't particularly like that take on the Batman universe. I, I like the idea that Batman kind of is the magnet for these lunatics yeah. and not the other way around. Right. Yeah, like, uh, I get that. Like, when, when Batman shows up in this movie, people are afraid, don't know what to think of him because they've never dealt with anything like this. In the Gotham TV show, you already have, you know, uh, Scarecrow, Mr. Freeze, you already have the Riddler and all this stuff. So when Batman would show up, people would just be like, huh, another fucking freak. Yeah, there's already a bunch of costume lunatics running around creating havoc. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, that that just didn't work for me. I mean, like, I know it's a TV show and they got to like, oh, man, this week we're going to have Mr. Freeze, you know, got to get people to watch, but... I mean, it's sort of like an entertaining misfire, I guess, from what I saw. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. For the, I mean, so far, I've enjoyed it. I mean, eventually, I'll watch the rest of these. But uh, I, my, my thing is that Bruce Wayne, like, it, he's like young, way younger than all these guys. It doesn't really fit so much, you know. He's like thirteen or something in in, in that show or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I never saw how it ended, but I think it ended with him finally becoming. Batman. Spoilers for Gotham if you, if you haven't seen that. Um, uh, but I'm not sure, though. I could be completely wrong because I just sort of gave, gave up on it. I know at one point, what's his name from the The Shield was on that show. I think, was he Bane or something? I can't, I can't remember. Oh, I, I didn't get to that point yet. Uh, yeah, me neither. Um, uh, but anyhow, uh, we're going to get more of Colin Farrell as the Penguin because apparently they're giving him his own HBO show. Really? Yeah, apparently this is going to be a new because you can't do just movies anymore. You have to have an entire universe. Huh, interesting. So okay. we're going to get a uh, penguin show, and I gotta say, playing playing the penguin in, in in a movie with all that makeup is one thing, but imagine having to do that like five days a week for like you know like a ten episode series. It's got to be fucking grueling. You got to really enjoy playing that character. Yeah, they must be giving him a lot of money too. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but it's good to see Colin Farrell. Like, you know, like it's interesting. Like, he started off as like this fucking like heartthrob actor, movie star, and sort of recalibrates. Sort of like how Robert Pattinson did. You know, young party guy starring in like these bullshit Hollywood movies, and then kind of rededicates himself to the craft of acting and starts being like, "Well, I'm going to be in stuff I really want to do," and playing this sort of like smaller character in a larger universe you know like it's not a big role the penguin is not like a very big part of the movie but it's definitely an uh important role sort what? of like william hurt in history of violence you know he's in the movie for like five ten minutes but like you take him out the movie is just not the same yeah no i agree with that yeah yeah what do you think about the use of uh nirvana's music in this uh this movie well that's <laughs> One thing I got to knock, knock a little bit for once was like, okay, I never really liked source music in movies, unless you're Martin Scorsese doing fucking good film. Like, I, I really would prefer a score to, I don't like it when like, oh, you know, we picked this song because the lyrics are important to the psyche. Bruce Lee, like, yeah, I hate that kind of shit. And I'm not a Nirvana fan. Yeah, me neither. Uh, but you know, that's not, if you're going to pick a Nirvana song, there's way worse songs you could pick. Uh, once was quite enough. 
but twice was a bit too much. I would have been able to um, to stomach once, yeah. But they they kept going back to it, and I was like, all right, enough, enough with the song, you know? Yeah. Um, what did you think of the score for this? You know, I got to be honest, the score didn't seem very memorable to me. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I thought it was one of the more memorable things. I really? thought it was a, yeah, you know, I, I forget the composer's name, but he does these big orchestral scores, which is kind of not really much of a thing anymore. Um, but I thought it was a nice in between, like uh, what, what Tim Burton had in his movies and what Nolan had in his movies. Like it, it rides the line that the movie rides. It's a comic book movie, but it's also very grounded. And uh, I thought it really, you know, propelled the movie and i thought it was one of the better batman themes real quick on the side uh about um pattinson his preparation he uh trained uh brazilian jiu-jitsu under hegan machado to get ready for the role which i thought was oh interesting cool, you know oh, okay so there was no grappling in any of the fight scenes but you know whatever i think there was a little maybe a little bit with like him and catwoman which uh we got to talk about catwoman Oh, she she was great, man. Like, perfect. That's the definitive Selena Kyle, in my opinion, for sure. I yeah. I mean, it's funny going into it. That was the only thing I was hesitant about because I was really kind of just unfamiliar with Zoe Kravitz's uh, work as an actress. I don't really know if I've seen her in anything, so I didn't really have anything to go on. But like that, to me, seems the most accurate portrayal of uh, of the character. What, and, I don't know uh, what else she's been in, actually. To be I, I don't either. Maybe she's on like a TV show or something. Let me look real um, quick to see if there's any. I don't know. I don't know any of these things. Let me see. <laughs> Portlandia. She was in Portlandia. I, I what, was she? Yeah. No, I didn't know that. I know I've seen that, but I don't remember her. Spider-Man. Okay. She was Mary Jane Watson's voice in... Uh, in a uh, like a Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, I guess that was an animated one. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that, but uh, yeah, I mean. Oh, great actually, choice. hold on, real quick. She played uh, Selena Kyle in the Lego Batman movie, so she did the voice for for Selena Kyle in that. Oh, there you go. All right, cool. All the all the preparation you need, I guess. Um, yeah, I th I thought she was great. I think she was used really well, and I think. Um, you'll be seeing a lot more of her if they continue to make more of these movies, which uh, hopefully I'm pretty sure they will. And I think that this, this take of Catwoman is perfect too, because she's like this kind of anti-hero. you know, she's, um, you know, ambiguous when it comes to which side of the law that she's on, you know, and that's always been the best way to portray the Catwoman is like either, you know, she's like a, uh, like in the terms of Dungeons and Dragons, like, you know, cha chaotic good or whatever, you know? Yes. Yeah. And yeah, she rides that line perfectly. And I like, you know, like the cat and mouse between her and, 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 uh, and Batman, I thought was played perfectly. I thought like there's a little budding romance there a little bit, like, uh, which is of course straight out of the comics. And yeah, uh, yeah I thought she nailed it. I thought, I thought like, you know, We've had two other Catwomans, um, and she blew them both out of the water. I like that, again, like, very lo-fi, kind of like when she goes out on the prowl, she's wearing 
a ski mask she probably got at like an army navy store and, and she just kind of cut like bigger eye holes in it like it's not some techie uh helmet or anything like that i, I really like that like while this isn't an origin story you are seeing the beginnings of some of these like villains and, and what they'll eventually become just going back to the riddler again since we're talking about costumes like the fucking get up that he had was like scary you know what i mean like, yeah, it's fucking terrifying. Like if you saw that standing over your bed, like <laughs> you yeah, know? That, like he had like a sin, a leather like sin hood on and stuff, and it was like those glasses over the glasses over the sin hood were, was perfect. Yes, that was such a nice like touch. Like made the character so much creepier was those fucking glasses. Yeah, could could not agree more. How about Falcone? Like. We've we've seen him before, but this like John Turturro really did a a great job in like a role like in in the Nolan movie like uh, I think the actor Tom Tom something can't remember his name did kind of like a hammier version of the character, and here again a little bit more grounded, a little bit more believable. John Turturro, great actor. Yeah, well, you get one. That's that's the the key right there is you get a great actor playing it and a guy who, you know, he's been in like these like adjacent crime roles before too you know where he's had to play like a you know something similar so he's well versed in that that type of role so for him to pivot into playing falcone is like perfect you know yeah i mean he could probably sleepwalk through that but he doesn't you know he, he gives it like a a nice touch he gets a nice monologue you know um this, again, it has sort of a different take on the Waynes and the Waynes' relationship to Gotham City. Um, has sort of a different take on Alfred, too. Alfred's a little bit younger. You learn, like, Alfred really has taught Bruce Wayne how to fight. Um, I feel like there's so many different origin stories for Bruce Wayne. I'm not sure which one is, like, the most accurate. I mean, you've probably read more of the comics than I do. Like, you know, in the Nolan verse, he was trained by Raza Ghul. He's basically a ninja. And yeah. here, he's just, like, a kid who, like, whose butler taught him to kick ass, you know? I kind of like the, I mean, you know, whatever. I, I like the Ra's al Ghul, like, element, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah. but, yeah, this works. I mean, even in the comic book, the, the the flavor of, like, the whole take on that changes, too, you know? I mean, Batman's been around for how, however many decades, like almost 100 years, you know? So, yeah, it's like... Over, over time, they update the character and they update all the stuff to fit, you know, current times. And, and I, yeah, th this is cool. I like it. You know, I like that. Um, I kind of wish we had more Alfred, though, honestly. Yeah, it was a little lacking in Alfred. I hope we get to see more of him in, uh, in, the, in, in, in future installments. Like, he had less to do than, than any Alfred, I think, so far in any of the movies. Um, I, yeah, I would like to see more of his background. It makes sense that he's younger because Bruce is younger, and right, you know, maybe he was in like the RAF or something like that, you know, and that's where he learned how to fight. And you know, who knows? You know, I just think it'd be which, cool to have that backstory in there. Totally. Which kind of brings me to a question I wanted to ask you: like, with these movies going forward, what would you like to see? Like. What is it like? What needs to happen in a Batman story for, for you? Well, I mean, what, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, 
I can't wait to see what they're going to do with the Joker. Honestly, that's just like my first thing. Yeah, because I, I you know, yeah, I oh yeah, never... we got to like. I mean, that's not really a spoiler. I think everyone yeah. at this fucking point knows that like there's a scene between the Riddler and uh, unnamed Arkham prisoner who is played by the actor. Just I mean, just knowing that 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 actor was in the movie, like it's, it was kind of like a dead giveaway. <laughs> yes, yeah. because he's not some like small movie actor. His name is Barry. Kosin, Koshin, and something like that. Yeah. Um, so I yeah, like, I mean, obviously, I like to keep this separate from the other mo- other films, like the other DC universe, you know, cosmic stuff. This needs to stay on the streets, you know. Yeah. Um, I would like to see him develop the fake Bruce Wayne facade, where he can interact with society. Right. You know, because he's like this creep that no one sees. It, like in the first. You know, the first movie, it's like it's like a big event when he goes in public, you know. Right. Like, he's like this yeah. weirdo creep guy with like a, you know, emo haircut that shows up at these events. And it, he's like all like, uncomfortable and everything. And I think that yeah. was definitely intentional. And I, I'd like to see them develop the mask of Bruce Wayne. You know, I've, I that that fascinates me like that. That wrinkle in the storyline, I think. Mm. is like really interesting and i'd like to see that you know become more of a, of a plot point yeah i i totally agree with you on that i felt like that was a little bit intentionally underdeveloped for this movie because again like he's just figuring everything out and he'll eventually probably figure out like hey like there's some weirdo who dresses bad fighting crime like who 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 would be like you know like of course, it would be like this other weirdo who just lurks around his mansion all the time, you know. So he's got to like de- develop this sort of facade to to to, to keep people away. Um, but yeah, I agree with. How about villains? I mean, we've seen a lot of Jokers. Do you think there's room for a new Joker, someone to bring something new to the table that you haven't seen? That's hard to say, and that's an excellent question because I think between Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix, they kind of cover the whole spectrum, you know, of Jokers. And, and I mean, but then again, who knows? I mean, maybe this other guy will have something new to add to it, but I got to say between those two guys, that's what I envisioned the Joker being, you know, is that type of like person, you know? Yeah. I think for any, okay. If you're going to do a trilogy, I think next movie has to be like a bigger time jump. Yeah. Like, you know, he's been doing this for five, six years. Uh, Keep the Joker, but like in a limited capacity, like a Hannibal Lecter kind of character. Ah, yeah, okay. Like he's behind bars. Batman put him there. Um, we didn't see that, but like you know, and maybe like you know, there's a little adversary there. Like Batman, maybe needs to like you know, can't figure something out, so he needs to talk to the Joker, something like that. Oh yeah, um, so that's an interesting idea. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, that would be a cool way to 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 have that character because you really can't do a definitive Batman series of movies without the Joker. You just can't. He has to be there. You have to also have Robin. I think really, you think so? I I think so, man. I think you have to have not only Robin, but the death of Robin, I think Hmm. would be a really interesting take that we haven't really seen. They hinted about it in Snyder's movies, but you know, we hadn't really, I thought Christopher Nolan's take on Robin was very clever. Like they gave you Robin without even realizing he was Robin. Right, right. And he wasn't right. Dick Grayson. He was just some guy who helped out Batman. And at the end, they're like, "Oh, you should, you know, you should use your real name, Robin." 
spoiler for you know dark knight uh, returns uh, rises <laughs> um but you know this is obviously going for like grounded so i think some of the more fantastical uh villains are kind of out of the question i even think that like scarecrow might be out of place in this universe unless you do like a different take on it um but i would love to see clayface even though he's more you know, uh, cartoonish, but like, you know, redefine him as like a, a, you know, a master of disguise or something like that. That, that would be interesting. Yeah. Or, or I would really, really love to see black mask show up and he makes the most sense in this universe. Uh, there, 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 there's a void in, in, in the crime syndicate and it makes sense that a weirdo and a mask would kind of try to rise up and, uh, and, and take over. And you could do a lot with that, especially in this universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, we've only seen Black Mask in the Harley Quinn movie, which was mm. not very good. <laughs> um, so I would love to see like a, a gritty sort of like this world take on him. You know, like I know Tom Hardy already played Bane, but I always thought oh, he would make a great Black Mask. <laughs> As I love the voice in Bane, man. It was like... <laughs> It's like the the ADR, like the whole the whole, all of his dialogue was definitely ADR'd in, and I just yeah, because he's like ten times louder than everyone else. <laughs> there's like it's just like there's only there room for a... one brother. It's like... <laughs> no brother. <laughs> yeah, it, it was so silly, but like again, it was a really big transform. Like I don't see Tom Hardy when I watch that movie. Oh, yeah. It doesn't look like, doesn't sound like him. Um. Uh, God, that, that I, I do enjoy that movie, but man, it, it's kind of a sloppy mess. And like, you know, Batman's the world's greatest detective, but his big plan is to come back to Gotham and punch Bane in the face. <laughs> it, <laughs> like, that's really what the movie, like, you know, <laughs> like hinders on. Uh, I would, I wouldn't mind seeing another take on Bane. I, I thought Nolan's, I, I liked his take. It was like a fun James Bond sort of thing that they were doing. But well, it would be cool to see like a little bit more comic accurate Bane. Well, with that said, a Raz Al Ghul like fucking guy would be yeah. cool too. You know, uh, who would you if you were like a casting? Who would you have play Bane? Oh shit, man! I think Tom Hardy was great as Bane, but let's see. Yeah, uh, I don't know. That's a good, good, good question. Who would you pick? I would, I would say The Rock. He's got the physical like form, but I know Rock is like all about being positive and not playing bad guys. But like physically, that guy's a fucking he's a giant. Like, yeah, he's, he's huge. a behemoth. That guy, all, all natural, yeah, he, all natural. You know. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. <laughs> he um, just takes vitamins he, and eats steaks every day. So yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't fucking roid out and just probably trash his fucking house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he trains hard. Time. You know, eats his uh, you know vegetables every day for sure. Yeah. Yeah, like all those professional wrestlers did. Uh, but or he's got he even he, that other the other guy the other professional wrestler um, that's oh. actually a good actor. Um, Dave Batista. Yeah, Batista. I could see him playing Bane too. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a great idea. Yeah, and, and he's not already in the DCU, so because The Rock is playing Black Adam. Oh, that's right. You're right. Okay. Yeah. yeah scratch that. Okay. Yeah, Dave Batista. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah, I just yeah, I hope like uh, or maybe we see some villains. We you know we, we haven't seen like I said Black Mask or like I'm wondering if there's a way you could do Mister Freeze in this universe no. that isn't ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, probably not. I think that I, I was that was when you asked me this question, I was like, no, Mister Freeze. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the first thing I had thought of, you know. But how about like, you know, in this neo-noir thing they're doing, maybe Calendar Man? I could see that, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it sounds silly, but you can make any of those fucking villains kind of cool, I think. Yeah, but, you know, I, I, that's, a, that's a good point, you know. I, I, uh, you, could, you would have to, I mean, the same thing with the Riddler, too. It's like, you know, when I, when I found out that the, the Riddler was going to be the, the uh, character, I expected a guy with like a green, green tights with question marks all over it, you know, and I was like, I don't know yeah. about that. But then they, they actually transformed him into this really scary character. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, keep Catwoman, keep Penguin, you know, uh, obviously Gordon, Jeffrey Wright, just crushes it. Like, obviously, keep keep developing that. I mean, you really can't have Batman without Gordon. Um, yeah, maybe some, like, you know, Black Mask, something like that. Keep the Joker in, like, a limited sort of role and somehow bring Robin into it where it's not completely goofy. I'm I'm gonna say no on Robin. Honestly, I think they should leave him out. Yeah, interesting. I I think there's a way to do it and, and and do it right. And maybe you know, in the third one, he's Nightwing, and you deal with like the death of like the second Robin or or something like that. And there's been a lot of talk about the Court of Owls maybe being involved in in these movies, and uh, that that could be really cool too. Obviously, something we haven't seen on on film yet. They I, I'm sure Reeves and company would m- make it grounded but this whole like secret society idea kind of fits into the noirish thing that they're they're, they're doing what about Tweedledum and Tweedledee from 19 <laughs> from the 40s <laughs> or or apparently Nicolas Cage wants to play Egghead did you read that <laughs> I did read that that'd be funny <laughs> that would be completely I mean, crazy I think that that seems like a character that would like work in like James Gunn's suicide squad universe but yeah. not in in this at all i mean you can't take someone seriously named egghead like there's just no way to be like me i can't you can't picture robert pads and like okay egghead <laughs> you know it's just it's too goofy but nicholas cage in a batman movie i'm for it there was a character in the 80s called onyx who was like a um like a martial artist type type uh character i think that would be cool like something like that something very grounded was like you know more action oriented batman film yeah well i know um ben affleck's was supposed to be uh was it deathstroke oh yeah yeah that would be cool yeah that'd be cool like you know just put him up against people that like yeah believable people and you know penguins running the mob behind the scenes maybe there's a power struggle between him and uh black mask who knows you know uh there's lots of possibilities, and you know, I'm really looking forward to to more of this uh, version of Batman. Because you know, when I first heard about all this, I was like, "Oh God, another Batman! Do we really need it?" And after seeing it, it's like, "Yeah, they really, they really, I think, did the most comic accurate Batman movie while being kind of grounded in reality. Like they really rode that line well. They they nailed the tone." So what do you give this film? Five. Yeah, me too. No actually. question. I give it a five. I like, out of all the movies I've seen this year, and I haven't really seen that many, but granted, but this one really lived up to all my expectations. Um, it made me look forward to the next installment, and I really can't find anything wrong with this movie either. Yeah, a little weird nitpicky things aside, like this is my favorite Batman movie, and it's not even close. And I love The Dark Knight. And this... 
and, and the Dark Knight set a very high bar, and this jumped right over it. Like I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, it's a three-hour movie that doesn't feel three hours. Uh, and the, the story never dragged, never got boring. It's not an action movie, but and it's very plot-oriented, but it, it moves along at a great pace. And, uh, yeah, it, and, it, and if you guys out there, like, uh, don't wait for this to come on streaming, because apparently it's coming on streaming soon. Uh, but try to see it in the big theater, man, on a screen. It was pretty awesome on a screen. Uh, absolutely. I don't know about the theater you saw then, but the sound was fucking booming <laughs> in, in, in the screening I saw. It's yeah, almost it, like they turn it up louder than, than normal movies. Yeah, I mean, the theater I went to was, uh, was awesome. I mean, they have, you know, it's a great theater to see a movie in. And, and probably by the, you know, when this comes out, the, the fervor of those first two weeks will be over with and you can watch it in like probably less, you know, less filled capacity. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is coming to streaming really quick. I remember thinking like, like, fuck, like this might be the first movie we watch and when our home is set up in, in, in Austin, like it'll, it'll be there on HBO already. Yeah. But you know, that's the world we live in. And I'm sure... This will play really good on the small screen, but it needs to be seen in a theater. I think this is a theater movie through and through. I'll probably uh, pick this up on Blu-ray too. Cause you know, like some sick, like Blu-ray is going to come out with like extras and how they developed certain things and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, I heard the original cut was four hours. I'm like down. with, with <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. Would you want to see a four hour cut of this? Oh and, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I'm, I'm always, you know, I always like the director's cut. The only director's cut that did not work for me is the Apocalypse Now director's cut. Totally agree. Yeah. Too much. Too much unneeded stuff in that movie. Yeah, I agree. Or like, you know, James Cameron's uh, Aliens uh, had a few extra scenes that kind of took away yeah. a little bit. Or actually, Midsummer. I preferred oh, the theatrical cut. I didn't even like the theatrical cut at all either. I know, I, I, I know. I'm sure I didn't. Wouldn't like the what's like nine hour version of the fucking movie. Yeah, I think it's just under seven hours. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's too much, man. I, I think that's one of the most brilliant horror movies, but uh, we'll, we'll save that for another time. <laughs> now, did you really think that dude need to get burned alive at the end of the movie just for cheating, being a scumbag? Yeah. Well, I don't movie. think he, I don't think he deserves his fate by any means. No, that's what makes it so fucking <laughs> d disturbing. I mean, Mister How, like Sergeant Howie in The Wicker Man, is a complete asshole. But like when he's up there and that thing's being torched, you feel for him. Yeah, that's what uh, I like so much about. Uh, I think people who think that ending is a happy ending are are sick. Well, that that's <laughs> what I was going to get at. Is there there are people out there like he deserved to die? I'm like, what? Why? He didn't kill anyone, you know. Yeah, like, he was just an asshole. Yeah, he was just an asshole. I don't think he was a good guy, you know, but I yeah. don't think he deserved to be burned alive. <laughs> yeah, it's a grueling kind of comical fate that he had. Like, you know, like that's a prolonged, ugh, agonizing death that, that, that he had, like being paralyzed and being stuffed into a bear suit. Like, uh, I found the whole ending of that movie very, very disturbing. Yeah, it was definitely a horrific ending. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's another guy I can't wait to see what, what, what he's going to do next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> hey, hey, he's doing a movie with uh, Joaquin Phoenix as, as as we speak. That 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 should be interesting. I I'm a huge Joaquin Phoenix fan. Yeah, he he's another actor who doesn't pick his roles lightly and always brings 
something very interesting. I can't think of the last Joaquin Phoenix movie that I saw that I didn't at least find interesting. You know, obviously nailed it as the Joker. Uh, I loved You Were Never Really Here or whatever the fuck it was called. So good. Yeah. It's such a bleak fucking movie. (laughs) Um, All right. So we both give the Batman a five. See it in the theater. Um, Yeah. Can't wait to see, see more of Matt Reeves' universe. With that said, I'll see you guys next week. Take care. Take care, everyone. Better touch, she says, oh.